Hello, beautiful people. My new play, The Velveteen Rabbit, is now playing in Adventure Theater MTC in Glen Echo. My adaptation of the classic book not only retains all of Marjorie Williams' magic and heart, but expands it theatrically into a world of imagination containing fantastical adventures, singing busts, and a jabberwocky. Go to adventuretheater-mtc.org for tickets and performance information. The Velveteen Rabbit, now playing adventuretheater-mtc.org for tickets and performance information. One shot! Two shots in the night and they're gone and he's all left alone. He's just one boy, two dead at his feet and their blood stains the street. And there's nothing, no, there's nothing he can't do. Star Kid, who you may have heard of, they did the Very Potter musical that was very popular, and uh, they also did a show called Firebringer, which you can find on YouTube and was very popular on Vine for those of you who ever used Vine. Um, just me. So uh, I told Lee Liebeskind uh, after we did this. Oh, I have a still actually from the show. That's what the production looked like. Um, they, uh, I told Lee that they should do it here at Flying V. It's like right up Flying V Street, and they can't get the rights because they can't make the rights available because they don't have the rights yeah. to any of this. <laughs> so they like do their show under parody laws. Warner Brothers doesn't sue them, and everybody moves on with their lives. So that's why you maybe haven't seen, uh, seen this live. But it's really fun. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube again. Um, but we're doing musicals based on comics. Can anyone name a musical based on comics? Tim German. Yes, uh, yes. Adam's family, good. Anybody else? Yeah, stole this whole row. Just went, oh my god. Um, anybody else? Any musical based on comics? Yeah. Is Birdist playing Superman? 
It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Absolutely, that will certainly come up today. Anything else? There's several. I found Spider-Man. Spider yes, you can't. Ma I found 15. One of them's a revival. Uh, one is German, and uh, one is by U2. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but there's about 15, 14 musicals uh, of the modern era based on uh, comics. Some of which you've probably heard of. Some of which you're probably looking at going, really. Uh, and uh, but all of them interesting and unique and have their own thing uh, going on. And I, I have to say, we are not going to talk about Annie. Uh, yes, I'm very sorry. We're not going to talk about Annie, and we're not going to sing tomorrow. No, we're not. Gonna <laughs> sing, we're not going to sing tomorrow. Tomorrow. Stop it. <laughs> we're not going to sing tomorrow. The um, you, you just can't talk about Annie. I don't like Annie anyway. So uh, I did do a little research and found that the first known musical based on a comic, and this is the comic, the comic was called Old Bill, It was a, uh, who was a World War II in infantryman uh, drawn by, so this is a British comic from the interwar period, and it has the most British sounding names I've ever heard in my life. The draw, uh, it was drawn by Bruce Bairn's father. Uh, yeah, I know, and it ran, the, the musical was called The Better Ole, because this is the comic it's based on where the caption is, if you don't know a better ole than this, I'm going to, I have to do it in a Cockney accent. Well, if you don't know a better ole than this, I'm going to show you one. I know, it's hilarious, right? It's a hundred-year-old joke. <laughs> um, but, like, look at these names. So it's music by Her Herman Derwitzky, but then Percival Knight and James Heer wrote the lyrics, book by Bruce Bairnsfeather and Arthur Elliott. The better ole, that's, and there's old Bill. Um, and it ran in London in 1917 and Broadway in 1918. The Broadway production had a slightly different ending. The American wins the chess match in the Broadway version. And um, one person got that joke. Fantastic. And it ran, uh, the London production though ran for over 800 performances, which I just want to highlight real fast. Like in 100 years ago, if you ran for 100 performances, you were a wild success. So this show was like the Phantom of the Opera of its time, and uh, spawned two film adaptations and a musical sequel. So like, wildly popular, no one's heard of it now, sunrise, sunset. But the, uh, the first musical I wanted to talk about here is this one, yeah, there you go, Tim called it, um, which is The Addams Family. Now The Addams Family uh, has been around for a very long time. Does anyone know when it started and how it started? Yeah? Tim's thinking really know, hard. I don't, know the, I don't know the date. I'm sorry. We don't have to know the day. So it started in 1938 as a New Yorker cartoon drawn by Charles Adams. Charles Adams. There we go. Right. Uh, so in 1938, it was a cartoon for the New Yorker, and it was so popular, it spawned a TV show that ran from 1964 to 1966. It was then an animated series from 73 to 75, a TV movie, reunion movie in 77, feature film in 91, animated series again, 92 to 93, sequel to the feature film in 93. The new Adams Family TV series on Fox Family ran from 98 to 99. There was a direct-to-video movie called <laughs> Adams Family Reunion starring Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah. And they're making another movie this year. It's coming out uh, from DreamWorks. It's doing an animated uh, Adam's Family, which looks gross, frankly. Um, but uh, it's a, Adam's Family is kind of an interesting uh, thing to adapt into a musical. There's a production from the original Broadway cast, uh, which starred Nathan Lane, B.B. Newworth, uh, Kirsten Rodriguez played uh, Wednesday. Also in the cast, Carolee Carmelo and Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann not playing Lurch, which I think is just the weirdest casting ever. Um, but it was created by the Improbable Theater Company and uh, 
was a very successful show, actually. It, uh, it ran for 722 performances. Music and lyrics by Andrew Lippa, he of The Wild Party, the off-Broadway version, and the, re the revival of Charlie Brown. So he, he, did, he dipped in twice. Um, and it's done all over the place, including it was just done here in this very city, and that's where our first song is going to come from, um, with Anna Grace Noah. Come on out, Anna. Yeah. So Anna just did a production at Chalice Theater, Chalice Theater uh, where she played Wednesday. I did. You did, yes. And so you're going to sing Wednesday's first song, yes. right, mm -hmm. uh, called Pulled. Can you set it up a little bit for people? Yeah. Uh, so Wednesday has a boyfriend, uh, and he's a normal guy, uh, and she's trying to deal with those feelings. And during the song, she is simultaneously uh, torturing, torturing Pugsley, as she yes. does. Yes, as this happens. So that's the that's what's happening in the background while she sings yeah. this this yeah. love song, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't have a sunny disposition. I'm not known for being too amused. My demeanor's locked in one position. See my face. Make me want to cry All my inhibitions have been muzzled And I think I know why I'm being pulled in a new direction But I think I like it I think I like it I'm being pulled in a new direction
talk, everybody. Thank you, Anna. Um, we had banter here, right? Uh, <laughs> um, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about that song and about playing Wednesday on stage? It was a lot of fun. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so, like, it's not in the song. Right. It's, it's hard to add in. But there's dialogue. Uh, Wednesday, there's a yellow bird. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it comes sure. from somewhere, uh, and she's like <laughs> petting it, and then she accidentally snaps its neck. Right, because <laughs> it's, it's the Adams, Adams family. family. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to smile. Wow. For the whole thing. Wow. So that. At all? No. Oh wow. That was an acting challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was also a lot of fun. Yeah, I it sounds like it. it. With my I like family. the pictures, right? I know, and your mother who was here was in it as well. Yeah, there it is. All right, no audience um, participation. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, no, it was great. It was really, it was a, it, it, it's a weird, obviously weird characters anyway, but Wednesday yeah. being the one who is just flat the whole time. Yeah. It's just got to be, yeah. No, it a, was. There's nothing to play off of and there's nothing to give back. You were yeah. just, yeah. No, it was like, I switched between like a bored Wednesday where I'm just like. Yeah. Okay, and then like intense Wednesday. So like sometimes, <laughs> no. What I would try to do like during the opening number to like focus is I'd see if I could pull the fire alarm with my mind. Oh wow! <laughs> I never did. And it never worked. It okay, never good. Worked. Great. Like thank goodness. That would have been Carrie. That's a different. Yeah, that's that's a totally different yeah. show. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, points. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Thank you very much. Anna will be back a little bit later as well. Um, So another musical that uh, comic that was adapted into a musical that you may never be aware of oh, is yeah. Mad Magazine, right? Now, what's what's weird about this? So this is actually a, a, a cover of Mad from the year the musical it was it's, uh, that it spawned came out, 1966. Price thirty cents, and uh, this is just when they released their hundredth uh, issue, um, and I think partially to celebrate they did uh, this uh, musical, which is kind of inexplicable. It's called The Mad Show. Um, in the cast was Linda Lavin of Alice, the TV series, and It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, the original Broadway cast. Also, here is uh, Joanne Worley, who was on Laugh-In, only like the next year, I think. So it was a, uh, it was a real you know, off-Broadway uh, semi-success, I would call it. It ran for quite a while, ran for 871 performances. Um, music by Mary Rogers, yes, that's Richard Rogers' daughter. Lyrics by a slew of people, Marshall Bearer, Larry Siegel, Stephen Vinever, and Esteban Rio Nido. And uh, the review in the New York Times said, it asks for our imaginative support and, for a change, stimulates and deserves it. It is always amusing. I've listened to the cast album, and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I'm sure it was great. Like, uh, like Mad TV, though, it has nothing to do with Mad Magazine, except that it's funny. Like, that's the only sort of connection, is that, well, I guess usually funny would be the, would be the answer to that. Also just like Mad Magazine, I think. Um, but it doesn't have any, you know, there's a, there's a statuette apparently on the stage of Alfred E. Newman, and like, that's it. Other than that, they're the tenuous connection at best to, um, to Mad Magazine. It survives, however, uh, in musical theater lexicon for a very specific reason, and that actually is because of Esteban Rio Nito, who is this man. Esteban Rio Nito is actually Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim was very good friends with Mary Rogers. 
uh, and uh, she asked him to write a song or lyrics to a song for this, and uh, he said yes, and he wrote a song which then, because it's Sondheim, is something that people have hunted down and tried to locate, and it actually is in the musical review of his work Side by Side by Sondheim, which is the first place I encountered it. It is called The Boy From, and today it will be sung by Don Mike Mendoza of La Tido. I am not going to set this up at all, I don't think, because I think it's better if I don't. Is that good? Yeah, okay. Great. The Boy From. Tall and slender like an Apollo, he goes walking by, and I have to follow him. The boy from Tacarembo, La Tumba del Fuego, Santa Maria da Calipa, Zacatecas, La Punta del Cruz. <laughs> when we meet, I feel I'm on fire, and I'm breathless every time I inquire, how are things in Tacarembo, La Tumba del Fuego, Santa Maria Zacatecas, La Junta del Sol y Cruz. <laughs> Why, when I speak, does he vanish? Uh, why, is he acting so clannish? Uh, I wish I understood Spanish. When I tell him I think he's the end, he giggles a lot with his friend. Tall and slender moves like a dancer, but I never seem to get any answer from the boy from Tacarembo, La Tumba del Fuego, Santa Malipa, Zacatecas, La Tunta del Sol y Cruz. I've got the blues. <laughs> Why? Are his trousers vermilion? His trousers are vermilion. Why does he claim he's Castilian? He claims that he's Castilian. Why do his friends call him Lillian? And I hear at the end of the week, he's leaving to start a boutique. Though I smile, I'm only pretending Cause I know today's the last I'll be spending With the boy from Tacarembo La Tumba del Fuego Santa Malipa Zacatecas La Junta del Sol y Cruz Tomorrow he sails He's moving to Wales To live in Yan Len Far Pogwin Go Gore Juan Robwin Laudin Silo Go 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 How hard was that to say? Man. <laughs> Those are two real towns. One's in Spain and the other is in Wales. Wales. Yeah, right, as the song tells us. They're the two longest town names in the world. Act like official town names, yeah. And at and first I was like, Sondheim, you're so mean. And I'm right. like, oh wait, they're real. They're real. They're real things, yes. And it is, of course, a style parody of Ipanema. The girl from Ipanema, right? That is the, the bit, that timely joke here in 2019 that played, I'm sure, super well in 1966 when that song was like, that Yeah, that was great, Don cool. Mike. Thank you very, very much. Definitely. Don Mike will be back later, later on. Yeah. But uh, so now I want to bring up our guest for the show. 
we have a very special guest here today. He's been on the original cast before. Speaking about this very topic, he was on our episode about It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Uh, local journalist and NPR personality, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Klimek. <laughs> Have a seat. You're taking this very seriously. So, uh, this is good. The theater, the musical oh, theater. Oh, I see. It's the Patrick Andrew. Flynn. Yes. <laughs> I'm the music. I'm the whole I, I hadn't heard you sing before. Oh, okay. Yeah, most people haven't. I don't know why I acted surprised just there. Uh, this is a copy of a book not written by me, by the way. But oh. I'm gonna gonna hold this up to your recorder oh. so that sure that everyone can hear it. Yes, absolutely. It's my, my primary source for. Uh, oh, for all discussion. things turn off the dark. Yes. Yes. This is yes. Uh, a. Uh, Insider account by the book writer of the ill-fated. Oh. Am I tipping the hand? There no, no, not, that, at uh, not at all. Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. Oh um, my gosh! Uh, Glenn Berger, who uh, have to wrote, wrote the book, originally shared writing credit with uh, director Julie Tamor, or replaced director Julie Tamor. I guess we'll, it's we'll kind of get unclear. into all this. Very unclear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a sordid history. Um, <laughs> Song of Spider-Man: The Inside Story of the Most Controversial Musical in Broadway History. That is the title. close to true, but I love it. <laughs> sure, so no, the one with the highest body count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is is actually zero. I, 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 I <laughs> nobody mean, actually there's, died. There's a lot nobody of naming. Died, yes. You know, if you add up the, um, you know, the fractional injuries and right. stuff, it definitely. But you, it you all get happened to, to one more person. Than one FTE. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, life, that person uh, yeah. before the show opened. <laughs> um, no, this this uh, this book is uh, extraordinary for the degree of, of name naming and, and specificity oh, sure. oh, wow. by someone who presumably still has to work. To work in the theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glenn Berger is not. Someone a, afraid he was never going to work again. Not a retirement age. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, I guess he does all right, but he doesn't have like tamer money or Bono right. money or anything. So, <laughs> well, none of us have Bono money. Sure. But, yeah. I'm just gonna. gonna That's good. Oh, that'll over, be our other guest. I, I, nice. I yeah. recommend this book. That's a great. Yeah, we'll get. We will. We will absolutely be getting to Spider-Man. Like disasters. Know, one of the reasons you're here. Um, are you sad we're not doing Annie, though? Tomorrow. No. Yeah. Well. Louder, John, right? <laughs> Sing out, Louise. Um, no, we're not doing Annie. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, a, you know, it sounds like, I, I think you probably have stronger feelings about Annie than I do. Probably. Like, there's something flashed behind your eyes when you, uh, yeah. when you mentioned it earlier. I've seen a lot uh, of productions of Annie, yeah. and it's, okay. yeah. Mm. Anyway, the less said, the better. We're definitely not doing Annie. Uh... So you are, but I, uh, one reason I asked you to be here today, though, is because you, you are a comic book guy. I mean, yeah. you have a, a certainly deeper knowledge than I do, but, but a, a formative knowledge of, of comic books. And I wanted you here to be sort that's, of... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, in my, my impressionable years when, when, I guess, where musical theater, yes, you know, when was, it really... was for me, yeah. It's, it's, it's hooks in you if it's, if it's going to. And I, I mean, I came to that later, you know, mm -hmm. so that was a different experience. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I have the the sort of reflexive uh, defensiveness about it, probably <laughs> just like that, I do with that, music theater. Yeah, well, like, and, yeah. And, and I mean, certainly in in um, I guess in any like uh, subset of fandom that it's 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 not too too uncommon to identify very right. strongly, you know, and even even when you don't like something, to feel uh, like you still must defend it. Yes. Uh, oh yes. Before the before the world. <laughs> If anyone else says anything bad about Annie, they will hear from me. Yeah, yeah. you know, or just 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 the fan communities, you know, clawing at each other because you don't you don't like the same thing in exactly the same way that that I that it's, I like. We know, it. we, know, so we, we don't have any of that today in like a main culture kind well, of way it's, at it's, all. It's, you know, like it's it's, 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 it's uh, out loud. Avengers and, uh, two opens when uh, next week yeah, or three or five. Uh, which one? Right, right. Yeah. Um, Four? I yeah. Think it's four, four. Or Marvel, I or Marvel 21. I commented, right, Marvel 21. That's right. I commented the other day that the new Star Wars trailer came out, and people already hate the movie. 
It's really great. Yeah, the vitriol I saw online was like, guys, we're really good at this now. Like the thing, the first teaser trailer drops and like everyone hates it. Good job. We don't even need to release the movie. Move on. It'd be great. I'm excited for the movie, just in case I didn't like the in general. Yeah. So okay. So this is a, a bit of a tangent, but let me ask you. I mean, people yeah. who who. Um, are, are aficionados of musical theater from that far back. I mean, they, they, they this, this might be my outsider's perspective, but sure. I mean, it seems like a more civil and mature and, and mutually respectful fandom than, say, comic book fans. I realize well, I'm making a big I don't, generalization. I don't know enough about comic you know. book fans to answer that question, but what I, I can tell you is that in public, Absolutely. It is a very much all for one, one for all kind of very good public face. But if you, like your, the book you brought with you would indicate, if you take people like Song Max, of Spider-Man, Song of Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Story <laughs> <of those movies. laughs> by, not by, Chris, by, by, by Glenn Berger, friend, friend of the show. Um, if you take people backstage, they, they can't wait to tell you about all the people that they, that they don't like and all the terrible things they did. Just like any, I think, work environment. Um, and be catty about shows and stuff, but in public it is a much more unified. Like, no, it's great. It's when you know, and you don't say anything bad about other people because we're all in this together. And you know, right? Yeah, but okay, but you're not you're not all performers, right? I mean, there are people who, True. who are in the. And, and I mean, I yeah, I like I, I certainly associate that that sort of ability to to social uh, yeah. just to be very demonstrative and, and affectionate with one yes. another in public, whether or not. You're, yeah, the fans are generally a lot more positive, everything all the time kind of people. But again, if you get them like and on the on social media and when you meet them at shows and things, it's very enthusiastic. But you know, they have strong yeah. feelings about things they've seen that they will share in private. It's uh, I mean, it's just because it, it it seems maybe not so much now and with you know with with like Hamilton and, and Glee and all this like I'm, very I'm not mainstream. So oh, uh, <laughs> sure, it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, yeah. I actually, I, I think uh, everyone associated with Spider-Man should be very, very grateful to, to Hamilton, right? Because I, I, it kind of seems to me that Hamilton had to happen to, to sort of... Oh, wipe wipes the, the slate clean, clean a little bit. It does, yeah. 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 It, it, well, it, it happens every... I've talked about this before, but it seems to happen every couple of years where, like, a musical comes along that erases recent public consciousness. So it was like Book of Mormon did that and, and Hamilton does that. Yeah. Was, um, there a, was there a high-profile flop from the early aughts that... Uh, where, where people not have like their knives Spider-Man. out for it. Um, well, yeah. every time, what's so funny, it's like every time, it, like Andrew Lloyd Webber's sequel to Phantom came out around that period of time, that people wow. were like, yeah, Love Never Dies, check it out. Um, <laughs> it's just as good as you hope it would be. That's the, uh, the title? Is the Love title is Love Never Dies. Dies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. guess what? That's, that's guess the tagline. Spoiler alert, it dies. <laughs> um, the, uh, it takes place in Coney Island. That's uh. all I'm going to tell you about it. Try to square that circle. Um, the book writer didn't. So uh, that was mean, but it's true. The um, was not written by Glenn Berger because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> that would be fantastic. The, the book Berger. Um, there are certainly. I, I I don't know if there's shows like like that that there was any kind of. There's no flop like like Spider Man. We're going to get Spider Man second. I'm going to. We're going to get there quickly. I think you're obsessed. I am a little obsessed, obsessed with Spider Man. I am. Um, but I did want to ask you, uh, before we get this to uh, Fun Home and then Spider-Man, uh, about, as somebody who loves comics, and has obviously watched, you know, you, you like I, slogged through the early 2000 comics adaptations on films that were Certainly. less yeah. than, and then, but I mean, having come out of like the, the 70s ones with like Richard Donner's Superman, and, and then like the occasional glimmer of hope with Sam Raimi's Spider-Verse, two Spider-Man movies, I'll right. say, right? Sure. Um, but then now we're in this period of like extreme adaptation. Uh, 
adapting them to the stage seems to be a specifically challenging problem. And we talked about this a little bit with like Superman, where like Superman's got to do some pretty Superman-y stuff to be yeah. Superman, and that on stage in, in the 60s was tough anyway. And also like with Spider-Man, Spider-Man's got to do some stunts that obviously they had trouble with in the, in the production. But like the cha- when you if you go see a show that's based on a comic, what are you hoping for? Oh boy, a, I uh, I don't know. I mean, this is I I, I think um, this uh, form and and musicals are are weirdly similar in that they're they're just they're both American. They're mm-hmm. they're both so far removed from from reality. Mm-hmm. In a way, I mean, I think uh, superhero comics, particularly, started off as, as power fantasies. You know, these were were for children and you know early adolescents and, and people who felt powerless. So, so it was very easy to project yourself into the the being of uh, you know a character who, in the case of well, Superman or, or Peter Parker or you know many of them, like they're they're very powerful, but they have to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a very seductive message for for a child, right? sure. someone who has has no no power. At all, um, you know, and then I think the the idea of feeling emotion so intently that you you can't express it in prose. You know, we need right. to erupt into to song about this. Is um, it's probably a little more universal than the than yeah. the power fantasy thing. Um, but it's not an, it, the but point of, you bring up is interesting though that it's not an incongruous match. Like people hear superhero musical and everybody kind of goes, "I'm sorry, what?" But it is actually not. It, it's not as an unnatural a pairing as you might you might think. Just no, and I, I mean, that, well, that was one of the, the things that was frustrating to me as a critic, is just the way the way that, that um, the the Spider-Man musical that we keep trying to yes. fast forward on. We'll get there. We'll get there. About you know, yeah, yeah. so derisively, not that it was uh, wasn't poorly executed because I mean, I saw it eventually and I and I agreed that it was, but just that the whole notion was was ridiculous. Yeah. which I I'm like I don't. I don't think that's true. You know, I don't well, actually, that segues nicely into what we're about to talk about because I do believe I, I, this is this is actually not a common. What I'm about to say is not as common a belief among people who write, especially who write and direct musicals, as you might think. But I believe anything can be a musical. It's all about how it's written and how it's executed, and if the authors have a great sense of the source material and what makes the source material successful. I think that's the, with any adaptation, that's the most important part. And often when adaptations fail, that's often the problem, is the authors don't understand what makes the source material magic, and therefore don't know what to cut, don't know what to keep, don't yeah. know what to play with. And that comes into our the next show we're going to talk about, which was uh, based on a book written by uh, this woman here, who is Alison Bechtel, who some of you may know, uh, inventor of the Bechtel test, which is, Chris, what's the Bechtel test? Uh, so the, the Bechtel test... Is uh, do do we have uh, two female characters, uh, or at least two female characters, discussing something amongst themselves that is not a male? Right. Two named female characters is the yeah. Two named female characters at any point discuss something that isn't a man. You'd be surprised how many movies, plays, and things fail the Bechtel test. It is shocking, uh, and uh, it is. Uh, but Beck, so that's Alison Bechtel's probably most famous thing. But she. Uh, wrote uh, an autobiography uh, called Fun Home, which is a, she's a cartoonist, and so it is a, it is a, it is a graphic novel uh, uh, autobiography, and um, it is all about uh, her growing up in a Beach Creek, Pennsylvania, which is a very small town, discovering that she is gay, and also discovering that her father is a closeted gay man, and the inciting incident sort of for the story is that he, when he was 33, killed himself. And she turned in the musical anyway. The adaptation, I'm sorry, 43. Uh, the musical adaptation, which here's a photo from that. Um, 
that is used as the inciting incident that Allison turns 43 and sort of looks back on her life. And so this is the cast from, from the original Broadway production. It's called Fun Home. You might notice those two children are standing in a coffin. Um, it's, <laughs> it's called Fun Home because fun, uh, the family ran a funeral home, and that's what the kids called it, was they called it the Fun Home. Um, and sparks one of my like all-time favorite songs of the show, which is Come to the Fun Home, where the kids do an ad for the funeral home. Um, <laughs> but the show takes a really, really interesting uh, approach, where it takes the real Allison Bechtel and splits her into three. So we have Allison, our narrator, medium Allison, who is Allison while well, she's at Oberlin College, and small Allison uh, while she's about 10 years old. And the movie, uh, the, the, movie, the oh. musical, floats uh, among this narrative uh, in a kind of non-linear way, very much like uh, the book does. But the musical, which is written by uh, Janine Tesori and uh, Lisa Crone, the thing I really love about it and the thing that makes it so successful is that the authors really understood what made the story magic to me and, and relatable. And one of the things they felt free to do was um, expand upon characters who didn't get a lot to do. Because there is a sequel uh, book called uh, Are You My Mother? Yeah, that, uh, what was that? Love never dies. Love never dies. Right. Very good. Oh, sorry. sorry, I stepped on your joke. Um, we'll we do it do again. It we'll do. Let's do it clean. Right. There is a sequel to Fun Home. <laughs> Love never dies. Oh, see, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. Yeah. We'll, I'll, I'll one fix one it. You want to do one more? One more? Uh, uh, there is a sequel to Fun Home. Another 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to leave all the others in. Um, and uh, called "Are You My Mother?" That Alison Bechtel wrote all about her mother, as the title would be. And one of the things that uh, Lisa Crone and Janita Sori did was give the character. Uh, of the mother a little bit. Oh, I do have a picture of, uh, of already my mother. Um, that's the, the second book. Give the character a little bit uh, more to do. And the song that we're going to hear from, uh, from Fun Home is sung by the mother uh, late in the show. It's a song called Days. And it will be sung for us by Carrie Ginsburg. Welcome to our house on Maple Avenue. See how we polish and we shine. We rearrange and realign. Everything is balanced and, and days and days and days. That's how it happened. Days and days and days. Made of lunches and car rides and shirts and socks and grades and piano and no one clocks the day you disappeared days and days and days that's how it happens days and days and days made of posing and bragging and fits of rage and boys oh my god some of them under Sweat me off my feet with books. We read books, strolled through Munich at night, drank beer with friends, discussed the places we would go. And he said I understood how the world could make him ache. But no. But no. Barking. 
I made because I thought as a wife I was meant to, and now my life is shattered and laid Yeah. Sit together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Squishy. Um, Hi. Yeah. I'm a sit. They're not all funny, these no! <laughs> um, That song I have to point out because Carrie will, will, will laugh that it was originally sung in the original production by uh, Judy Kuhn. So if you're playing along at home, now's yeah. the time to drink. Right, because I brought up Judy Kuhn, the queen. Drink again. There she is. <laughs> um, and you're not looking at the picture and it's killing my joke. Um, that <laughs> oh, look, you put a crown on yeah, her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good, right? Yeah. Um, took me an hour. Oh, the, uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not true. <laughs> took me half an hour. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a hardcore song that I had you. I asked you to sing. Patrick yeah. asked me to sing that song, and my response was, are you trying to kill me? Because <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of the emotional. Have you seen Fun Home, Chris? Yeah. Is it? yeah. I mean, it is the emotional catharsis of this, like, 110-minute, one-act musical experience where there's this huge release with her mother, who has sort of been a side character the entire Yeah, it's a misplaced 11 o'clock number. Yeah. Because the protagonist doesn't sing it. Right. Um, Well, and that's the thing about it being a show where the protagonist is split into three, is that each character, each version has to have that moment, and they, so they sort of have to break up the catharsis sort of throughout Mm -hmm. in a kind of odd and interesting structural way. Um, where did you, did you see Fun Home in New York, Chris, or did you see uh, it Yeah, the road? most recent production I saw was actually at uh, one of the regions of the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. Oh, I, wow. I wish I remembered which, which university's production I, I saw. Oh, wow. But it was, it, was, it was good. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a really, really, really good show. I, I've touted it many, many times on this podcast. Um, how did you approach singing that song, two-time Helen Hayes Award winner, Carrie Ginsburg? <laughs> <laughs> um, well... It's a song of restraint, right? So if it's not a particularly demonstrative mm-hmm. parent, you have to be really careful to not let the emotion get away with you. Mm-hmm. So how and where to let it swell um, emotionally sure. um, without letting without letting it completely devolve, right? Because mm-hmm. that there wouldn't be a lesson. 
then. Right. It has to have somewhere to go. It really yeah. does. And it's a, that wasn't a good explanation. No, but that's okay. Works. You'll make me sound smarter. Okay. But I don't edit these, so now we're in trouble. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a live show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, right. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a heartbreaking song. It's a heartbreaking show, and you sang it beautifully. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's um. Can I just for a second? No, please just, do. Okay. So um. So my husband is a nerd in a sure. different way than I am a nerd. Right. There's different. I've yes. learned. There's different tiers. That there's different sort of stratas of right. nerd dumb. Um. And he is into comics. Mm -hmm. And. <laughs> oh, well, we've, we've got one. We've got yeah. one, yeah. You're yeah. a uh, I found him fine. Right. Um, okay. Uh, and, and I am not, right? right? Um, and so. Hey, this is a safe spot. I read Lumberjanes. Right. <laughs> and I read The Backstagers. Right. And that's it. Mm -hmm. um, but when you when you are cohabitating with somebody, sort of your worlds start to infuse, mm -hmm. right? And so I have come to appreciate um, how much emotion and how much heart there is in something that I admittedly, sorry everybody, mm -hmm. thought was just a little bit fluffy. Mm -hmm. And that's, well, I think that's the thing with any art form like this is one of the reasons I have this podcast is when you dig into something that maybe you think is silly. Yeah. That people and care about. There's a genuine emotion behind it because you never dug into it. I yeah. didn't care, and I didn't. It's not that I didn't care. I just didn't care it to wasn't explore. In your sphere. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, um, totally. So that's it. This is my confession. Okay. Yeah. Thank All you, Carrie. Right. Thank, Thank you so much. Oh. Are you leaving? Carrie, will be back. Carrie, will be back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, Chris. Let's do it. Let me change the slide. For some reason. Oh, what's this one going to be? Here we go. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. So we've been dancing around it, you and I. Uh, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, music and lyrics by Bono and the Edge, book by Glenn Berger et al. Um, uh, Chris, you have two minutes to defend it. No. Um, so here's the thing. So, so here's my, uh, my experience with Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark was largely... Um, Sort of just from the outside, hearing about the like the what news that was leaking out sure. around the production. Because I do want to point out something real fast here. Um, you'll see that it was ran for, I mean, it ran for a long that time. A thousand sixty-six performances, number. nominated yeah. for two Tonys. Here's a fun fact, though. Opening date is June fourteenth, two thousand eleven. It had hundred and eighty-two previews, public previews. The average Broadway musical has twenty. Some go long when there are technical problems, they need to retool, they do things like that. Wow. This show had 182 previews, which is longer. The preview started in November of 2010, and it opened in June of 2011. Um, this is longer than a lot of, some shows we're going to talk about in a few minutes ran, like period. Yeah, it had I more think, previews than I think that's than that. more yeah. than uh, It's a Bird, It's a Plane. Yeah. Had a that's a good, yes, that is, I think it did. I think it was like a 160 or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, and it is a, yeah, so it ran, but it still, it ran through all this. Like, yeah. this is the undeniable fact that despite all the problems with, they were having with the tech stuff where people kept getting hurt, um, though I think that is greatly exaggerated in our memory how many people actually got hurt. Yeah, I think no, there was only no like actual 200 people got hurt. Oh, no. um, <laughs> I mean, my, my, my strongest memory of it, when, when I finally saw it, which was sometime in, in 2012, so it'd be okay. I, was, I was not... In the middle of the run, like in the heart to, of the run. To, yeah, 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 and, yeah. I, and I saw the, the revised uh, version after, after Tamer had been, been pushed out and uh, uh, Roberto Aguirre uh, right. Sacasa had was been brought, brought in, in to, yeah. to rewrite the book. Um, 
But uh, all the the uh, curtain call of all the the Spider Man at the end is the thing that I that I really remember when the. Is it six actors? Because there was the yeah, I don't I don't remember the number, but I mean right. it was you know all of the various ones who were at different locations in the in the Foxwoods to right. give the much like the the uh, high school production of Aladdin that I was in where we used multiple Aladdins oh, to make it look like he was teleporting right. around the. Maybe uh, they saw that production. The and that's where they got. The I idea. think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, Julie Tamer will take ideas from sure from other people. Right. Like any great director, she takes them. Yeah. From where she goes. Yeah, but just just having them all come out and then and then take off their their masks. You know, I think right. people people recognize that uh, regardless of the the quality of the music and lyrics and uh, the sort yeah. of confused narrative that they they had. Um, Sat so, through the, the the contributions of the the stunt performers were yeah remarkable. Were pretty yeah I mean from what the videos and clips I've seen both both legal and illegal um, it's a visual spectacle I mean to behold it must have been yeah something I mean you, you, you could like, see why see yeah and how yes. <laughs> how people got hurt. and it's in a big theater I mean Foxwoods is not yeah. small it's where uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child parts one and two is running right now it's not called Foxwoods Theater anymore I don't remember what the name of it is. yeah um, but. I also asked you here not only as a uh, fan of comics, but also as a fan of U2, um, mm -hmm. which I am not. Mm -hmm. And uh, right, no one, no one, no one is agnostic on this band. This is a it's, it's very a true. It's, which is to me the mark of a. I think that's what you want, don't you? Like somebody who's creative, you want people to care in one yeah, direction. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, I think I think in that case, or like in their case, there, there's a uh, function of, of ubiquity, you know, and, right. and, and like being like probably the last. I, like like one of the last vestiges of the monoculture, you know, like sure. they they hit just before it no longer became possible to to uh, like succeed the way yeah they to dominate yeah. that like have that kind of cultural right to be on the radio like when the radio and the LP yeah yeah so so people who you know they had lots of chances to get sick of them in, yes including me yeah uh, and they so. I mean they survived and kept of selling obviously I think the, the most the most recent thing they did that, that people got mad about which is hilarious was that their album appeared on everyone's iPhones yeah. at one point uh, which is still a joke I still hear people make that joke where they're like the new Samsung Galaxy comes with the Lord album whether you want it or not and right. it's this really funny thing where people like wanted when I, I for those who don't remember iTunes did this thing where they they released a free copy of YouTube's yeah, new album, so, so Apple but they gave it to you whether you wanted it or not. It was just on in your iTunes, uh, and people got mad, which yeah. I was just sort of like, well, that's annoying, but like everybody's always like, I want free music, I want free music, and they went, okay, here's free music. Like, no, not that way, and not yeah. that music. I want, I was like, what do you want? Uh, right. And I, <laughs> you know, it's a, like hubris. Hubris is, right. is this, oh, this totally. band's kind of, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that they're... That they're they're known for, you know, whether, yeah. whether that's something that that you uh, ad admire or or detest about them, right? Um, and and that's probably the kind of I, I, I see them getting excited by that that sort of possibility to to invade everyone's privacy to to right. uh, uh, <laughs> well, put on, their, yeah, on put mass, some, uh, and they don't need the money. I mean, only a band like you two could do that, could afford to give away. The yeah, and I mean, and, and Bono was at pains to explain that, like, no, this isn't free. Apple Apple paid us, right. you know, yeah. they paid yeah. us a, a princely sum. Um, but so the gift is is from from Apple, not from right from, from the us. band, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's probably yeah. a probably a bad call. But Jay Z did something very similar around the same time, where there were, there was a Jay Z album. Um, I don't remember which one. That was uh, like it was only available on your. Oh yeah, s some mm -hmm. phone manufacturer, right? That, you yeah, know, where, where like you could sign up for a service plan and and get get the album and. Um, 
you know, there, there's yeah. a there's a, a, a guy with you know similarly sized ambitions and, <laughs> and ego and you know, right. you know very sure. um, you know just very clear about wanting to to dominate whatever profession yeah whatever he, platforms up yeah, yeah 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 so I mean I think, I think they they are of a similar so mindset right um, the uh, I just have a note here by the way that this show is in previews longer than three Sondheim musicals ran on Broadway um, <laughs> I had to say that out loud but. Uh, I wanted to tell you, you may not know this, you may, um, that there, uh, there's actually, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is not the first time that a pop group or pop singer uh, wrote material for comic books and was, you know, released it to the public. And so, Chris, I need your, your help a little bit. Can you tell me who that is? Oh, uh, is that Magneto? That is Magneto. Um, and who is Magneto? Oh, so Magneto is the the, the big villain of the, the X-Men universe. He's a contemporary of Charles Xavier, the, the founder of the X-Men, and, uh, you know, believes in a more militant approach to human-mutant uh, uh, relations. He's and played uh, by Ian McKellen in the... And then also now by... Who's playing him now? Oh, uh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, you know, he's, he's the by any means necessary... Uh, and you know who this is? Oh. No? Who is that? This is Titanium Man. All right. You know who Titanium Man is? No, Titanium <laughs> I, I, Man. No, you. you, you okay. Me here wow, I hit the... you on the second one. There's one more, so get ready. Oh, uh, Titanium Man, and actually, I'll match with this. Do you know who that is? That's the Crimson Dynamo. So okay. Crimson Dynamo and, and, and uh, Titanium Man are uh, enemies of Iron Man. I think the Crimson Dynamo is Russian, and, and the Titanium Man, Jason's here. Titanium Man, you know, so Eastern wow. European, Eastern Europe, yeah. I, I have sort of a like a on the wall of my bathroom a a uh, flowchart of uh, superhero powers. Oh sure. The, and I, I so I remember Crimson Dynamo being, uh, rep, but but not represented visually. It's just a just a little box with a, a uh -huh. name in it. With so a, yeah. You, you've so, done a great service. Thank you very much. So um, there's a song about these three these three guys, and we're gonna sing it here because oh, we're not doing anything from uh, from Spider Man. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is a song that was written. By a, uh, a, an artist you've heard of, and you don't know, and I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> and I want to see if you can guess who wrote this song oh. and released it to the public. Is it Titanium Man? Get it? I was talking last night. Magneto and Titanium Man. We were talking about you, babe.
Or do you know? Uh, Dave Van Ronk. Whoa! That is a deep cut. Two uh, people just laugh so hard at this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Van Ronk. Nice They're going to be Patreon subscribers till they die. This is, they will. So this is on this album. Do you know this album? Is it Wings? It's Wings. This is a Paul McCartney song. Magneto Entertainium Man. What? By Paul McCartney. (laughs) I guess there might be jokes. Stories. Paul McCartney from Wings. Paul McCartney from Wings, yeah, right. (laughs) Sir Paul McCartney from Wings. Yeah, that would be a better joke. Right, yeah, Yeah, that's good. The audio cast will love it. Um, Yeah, it's on the... (laughs) So stories differ about how that song got written. Hmm. Paul claims he's a huge comic book fan especially a Jack Kirby fan, and met Jack Kirby around this time and wrote this song. And Stan Lee asked many years later, said, quote, I think it's wonderful, this song. Yeah. I don't agree with that interpretation because the lyrics are of someone who has literally never picked up a comic book, let alone read about Magneto, Titanium Man, and the Crimson Dynamo. Um, yeah, it seems like like you maybe just did a search and replace on like Rocky Raccoon. And it's sort and, of like, yeah, he's just like, yeah, oh, these are neat names. And look, they scan and they bounce. Here's the thing about that song. Tonight, you will find yourself singing that to yourself. Because Paul McCartney has a talent. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't always use it for good. <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, it's a bonker song, though. I absolutely, and I'm so glad you didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, this is the the, the seventies, right? So seventy five. So, so, okay, so Jack Kirby is uh, he's at DC now, right? He, I mean, yeah. I guess it, it, it's not like a one. It's to not one. like yeah, it's not like a one to one. Well, that's Jack and that's, Kirby, and then immediately decides and that's to, the other but, thing that betrays the sort of lack of comics knowledge. The because Paul, Paul claims like, oh yeah, big comic fan from where you know, like, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he just sort of. But like you listen to that song, you're just like, no, no, you're not, man. Like I'm yeah. sorry. If he released that song, what I love about it is that you know it's Paul McCartney, it's Wings, very, very popular. If that happened now, of a band who was like equally popular who wrote a song about a couple random comic, they'd be destroyed before the song even came out, probably. But like yeah. that sort of like for lack of detailed knowledge that Magneto, <laughs> Titanium Man, yeah. The well, also, I mean, I, I think superheroes are more mainstream than than white rock music is at this point. Right, right? It's very like true. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. The footprints have, have right. flipped. Well, rock music is know? sort of on its way yeah. out. It seems to me. So it's that like yeah, it's a yeah. But so that was fun. That was a fun little moment I like to have. Um, <laughs> we're running a little <laughs> so bit behind, so we have to kind of zoom out a little okay. bit. But we will. Um, the next musical I want to talk about is this one. Did everyone know that Doonesbury had a musical written about it? Doonesbury uh, started in 1970. This is actually the very first Doonesbury. Um, it won a uh, Pulitzer Prize for editorial cartooning in 1975. Same year Magneto and Man was racing up the charts. Um, and for the first, like, ten years of its inception, Doonesbury was all about these kids in college. And Gary Trudeau wanted to trans- transition them out of college and into the real world. And he decided, Gary did, that the best way to do that was, of course, not to like write a book or, or make a movie, but to write a Broadway musical that would be all about the characters graduating from college. And uh, he did, and he wrote it with Elizabeth Suedos, who music fans might know uh, from Runaways, the musical. Um, they also wrote another musical together uh, with deleted material from this called Rappin' Ronnie, all about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> We'll just move on. Uh, and, um, but yeah, this is a real musical. It ran for 104 performances or uh, Spider-Man minus 78. Sure. And um, Spider-Man previews minus 78, yeah. I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a... 
Well, I'm just going to have Don, Mike, and Anna come out and sing you a song from it, and you can find out uh, exactly what kind of musical it was. So, Doonesbury, if you don't know, was a political satire, lots of, as you saw probably in this panel, you know, lots of words, lots of text, lots of characters. There's a lot going on, but it's generally pretty jokey and, uh, and has to do with current events uh, a lot. It has done some serious comics in its time, especially about Vietnam and about the Gulf War. But uh, generally, it's pretty jovial, and it's you know, branded as a musical comedy. The second song in it is a song called Just One Night, and that is what you're going to hear right now. Sure, she has secrets and private places, flights of fancy all But it's a lot of that. Like it's a sort of it's kind of easy to tell why like people went in and being like, oh, Doonesbury's gonna be a musical, and they just sat down. And the opening number's kind of bouncing, and you're like, okay, and then like that comes out and you go, I'm sorry, what am I watching exactly? Um, and that's why it only ran for, you know, uh, what is it, Spider-Man minus seventy-eight. Uh, it's just a uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky form, the musical, even when you're a pro, like Carrie Trudeau and Elizabeth Suedos. Um you can't find this. Either. It's hard to find this this mm. recording. You have to. It, I think it's all on YouTube, uploaded yeah. from a, like an LP rip. Has, has Trudeau tried to 
tried to bury this or something? I don't quite know. It's also canon in the Doonesbury lexicon because it's the transition (laughs) between, so like he can't, I don't know. He's fine, right, Trudeau? He's okay. He's doing okay. Um, I want to wrap up. We're running a little short, so I have to kind of cut forward. But I want to wrap up with uh, the show that was on our very, very first episode of this podcast, which is the 1967 uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which, Chris, you told me before the show that you were in. Yes, the the, uh, 1986 uh, Fox Mill Theater Camp production. (laughs) Still still off-discussed. Right, yes. uh, More or less than the Aladdin production. Right, yeah, yeah. we, we did not quite break... 1,500. It's a grip of performances, isn't it? And Annie would be the only one that I think ran more than that, but we're not singing. But we're not singing Annie. <laughs> but it's Anna. Don't trash her. She's yeah. the youth. It's it's not nice. to we're not singing Anna either. We're not doing either of these. Why am I here then? <laughs> <laughs> I got a walk off. <laughs> we're, we're a pretty edgy show all of a sudden. I like this. Um, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's very wildly successful. What's so funny to me, though, is like the show's played on Broadway twice. Like, this, this is an off-Broadway production, the original. Ran for four years. Off-Broadway. They, trans- they transitioned this production to Broadway after it closed in February of 71. Opened on June 1st, but it only it closed on June 27th and only ran for a Spider-Man minus 150, which was uh, 32 performances. Um, and then the revival in 99 that I always thought was very, very successful only ran for 149 performances, or Spider-Man minus 33. Uh, so it, it is very much a small theater... Show though yeah. it seems to me like it is a it's an off Broadway small theater company production and I've seen it I think three times and every time it's been in kind of a, either a basement or a lobby or like a church theater like it's a very it's an intimate kind of tiny little show and again yeah. we did it in a cafeteria right it gets but it, I think it's perfect for that it gets to the heart of what this show with what the comic strip is even like you know this sort of um, just a small little strip about these kids doing nothing in particular and it's fun it doesn't you know, the, the show doesn't have a plot per se. It just, they, they kind of go from sketch to, to sketch to sketch. And you were Schroeder, you said? Or? Uh, I, we, I was a swing. You were a swing? Uh, so I was a Hang on, wait a minute. Oh, oh, the show like, had, this production <laughs> had swings? <laughs> I mean, what I, I remember, I was not one of the Snoopies, which, right, was, which uh, you said you know, I yeah. got over like last year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you did, personally. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm have to go back on uh, that. I th- it was mostly Schroeder and uh, other other parts as sure, as, as needed. needed. Yeah. Onlooker number two. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Number two. Much third, better than number one. Third assassin. Third assassin. How many assassins? What production was this exactly? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's edgy. We were we were taking some uh, taking some risks. It was the day the, of the jackal and your good man Joe yes, Brown? Yes. Like, kind of uh, put together. You know the Schultz. We had some uh, good good laughs. The state never quite references. Right. Up with us. Yeah. Um, it also though does tying into Fun Home another thing that I really really like about musicals based, or the comics that are adapted, uh, which is it expands upon characterizations contained in the comic, uh, especially for me, the characters of Charlie Brown and, uh, and Lucy, in a song that I really, really enjoy, which will be, I'm going to stand, because I'm singing, uh, which I sit down like I was going to get my guitar back out again, um, which thank you all for not like fleeing the minute I got my guitar out, um, that's what I would have done. Uh, for a song in the middle of, I think in the middle of the show, called The Doctor Is In, which is for Charlie Brown coming to Lucy for help. And he says, I'm not very handsome or clever or lucid. I've always been stupid at spelling and numbers. I've never been much playing football or baseball or stickball or checkers or marbles or ping pong. I'm usually awful at parties and dances, 
I stand like a stick, or I cough, or I laugh, or I don't bring a present, or I spill the ice cream, or I get so depressed that I stand and I scream, oh how could there possibly be one small person so thoroughly, totally, utterly blah as me? Okay, for a starter. A starter? Certainly. Got him. You don't think that mentioning these few superficial failings is going to do any good, do you? But Charlie Brown, you really have to delve. You're stupid, self-centered, and moody. I'm moody. You're terribly dull to be with. Yes, I am. And nobody likes me, not Frida, or Shermie, or Linus, or Schroeder. Or Lucy. Or Lucy. <laughs> or Snoopy. Or Hey, Snoopy likes me. No, he only pretends to like you because you feed him. That's not, that doesn't count. <laughs> or Snoopy. Oh, why was I born just to be one small person as thoroughly, totally, utterly... Wait! You're not very much of a person. That's certain. And yet, there is reason to hope. There's hope? For although you are no good at music, like Schroeder, or happy, like Snoopy, or lovely, like me, Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's a song that I really do love that song, and I love that part of the show because it really gives the character like the thing I was drawing. Yeah, there's yeah. a real like free to be you and me kind, kind of, of vibe uh, in that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's this musical was also written on spec. Yeah. I always like to bring that up. Like the Clark Gessner just wrote all the songs oh, wow. without the rights, and then uh, and then got them. We are like way over, but I want to ask Chris, where can people find you in the in the world? Uh, on on Twitter. Um, <laughs> just in general? Yeah. yeah. You're sna- uh, you have an odd handle, though. You're uh, it's a CT, and my last name, K-L-I-M-E-K. Oh, it's just the so, CT. So, yeah, it's yeah a, it, no. it is a diabolical scheme, but I've come Skillimic. up with yeah, the that my is first to, initial, my middle, middle initial, initial, and then my, my yeah. last name in its entirety. Yeah, I was so, thinking so totally I, I don't really want to be my, found. No, apparently not. Um, but you can find your writing, I mean, your city paper and... Uh, on uh, and NPR.org and right? on uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. Pop Culture Happy Hour, and, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, for all the great... Thank you so much Wherever you get your original cast. Right, and you can find the episode on, on uh, It's a Bird, It's a Plane with Chris in it, which is one of my favorites. Because uh, that's a wow. I was so happy when you wrote me back and said that was the show you wanted Four to do. Four hours. Just God. of all that, I know, I, like of yeah, all the length and time, a... so much, there was a lot to delve into. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, thank you so much for coming that's down super here. Fun. Guys, do you have anything to promote coming out from the backstage? Carrie Ginsburg, Don Mike Mendoza, or Anna Grace Nowak? Uh, when does this actually air? Yeah. <laughs> right, right now. Right. Oh. Is this live? No. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of
Latinos tomorrow. Latinos, there we go. Latinos tomorrow in Dupont. Yeah. Eight p.m. Bistro Bistro. That's great. Check it out. I know yeah. I can voice my hello right now. I'm sorry, I have to. It's Don Mike, everybody. Thank you guys all so much for coming. Please give yourselves a round of applause. Um, yeah, I, I just. Uh, it's really great to do the show. I love coming to Awesomeathon every year, and I, I really think that like. You know, it, it's just musicals in general, as you, you were saying, fill me with such a great sense of, of uh, pride and, and purpose. And, you know, like when I'm stuck with a day oh. that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, Oh, the sun will come out tomorrow, so you gotta hang on till tomorrow. Come one day. Titanium Man. Heather, we couldn't find sheet music for it. We just had chords. So Heather found the score, right? All the orchestral parts, because it's Wings in the 70s, and then Frankenstein that thing together wow. for that dumb song. I know, right? She did that. was so great. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank you all for being here. As Jason said, the, the Awesomeathon goes all the way till 10 p.m. tonight. We are turning it up to 11 as we go forward. It's just going to get better and better.